Say hello to the bad guy. The good guy coming last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. All right, welcome to Say Hello to the Bad Guy. I'm your host, Locke, and this is the podcast where we drink, smoke, and bullshit about the life of a historic criminal. Now we're talking outlaws and gangsters. We're not going to cover too many serial killers. That's just a little bit dark for me, and this ain't no true crime podcast. Honestly, you can't call this a history podcast because I'm no historian. I'm just a history fan that does some research and bullshits about it with his friends. So speaking of my friends, let me introduce you to my co-host. First with us today, we got Tank. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, <laughs> bad guys. <laughs> and uh, also with us today, we got Tone. Uh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the uh, fourth mic today, we got Lorraine McClain. What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, what's up. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, everyone. You want to... Kick us off, Tank. What you got to drink today? Good old Samuel Adams Winter Lager. <laughs> 5.6% alcohol. Sam Adams is a, a OG craft brewery out of Baston. Used to have pretty cool commercials back in the day introducing us to craft beer. And uh, they got the Winter Lager, which is one of their best, in my opinion. But yeah, it's a tasty brew. Got some spices in there. It's a lager, but uh, they get some really good flavors out of it. I wish J-Bone was here to reminisce about the, uh, I mean, you got, you covered it a little bit, but yeah, he, he loves to reminisce about the back in the day when Samuel Adams and Stella was the craft beers when I was a kid. <laughs> and I was probably like not even drinking age at that point in time. So I'm like, you know, the good old days when I was 14 watching TV and shit. Right. When he was drinking Sam Adams. You were drinking like forties of fucking Mickey's and shit like that. St. I'd special brew. <laughs> Tone, what do you got to drink? Uh, peanut butter poet, uh, New Holland. 10.6. Wow. That's a good one. I'm a fan. It's a 10.6? Yeah. Damn. Damn. So I'm a fan of the Poet. It's a real good beer. It's one of my favorites. But the Peanut Butter Poet, that's like like New Holland was reading my journal. You know? Mm. Like, let's take that Poet. Let's put a little peanut butter in there. <laughs> yeah. I can see why you dig it. Lorraine, what do you got to drink today? Uh, Let's just say mudslide. <laughs> <laughs> just put a bunch of chocolate shit in the glass. <laughs> Concocted your own little... uh. She cocktail. Made a, she made a chocolate Long Island. <laughs> like that. That's exactly what I did. So I got today. I picked this up just kind of randomly, but it's it's got the little independent beer stamp. It's called Farmhand. It's by uh, Brewery Vivant. It's a Michigan brewery, and uh, I got it just you know try something different. And uh, as far as ales go. It's really fucking good. I mean, it's not like any over-the-top flavors or anything, but it's just kind of like, mm. just shows sometimes if you just use good ingredients and do just something regular well, you don't have to get too fancy with it. Yeah. Like if you you make a New York strip steak, you don't need to do all types of marinades or different spices and shit like that. Like right. it tastes like steak. Yeah. Salt. That's salt, exactly what that I bitch. did yesterday. I used to like just add all kinds of like steak seasoning and like Worcester sauce and all that shit. Yeah. Yesterday I just I had a porterhouse, just straight black pepper and salt, and only mm. now. Okay. King of the castle, <laughs> king of the castle, porterhouse. No, I'm just kidding. I love porterhouses, man. Too, That's man. My... <laughs> I'm just fucking with. So today we got a new sponsor. What? So support for say hello to the bad guy is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's blow the waist grooming. It offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. 
Manscaped just launched their launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. Uh, so join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. And with this exclusive offer for you, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. I'm one of the first people to try the new 4.0. Well, and uh, Tank and Tone, too. You guys both got yours, your kits in, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, we got the 4.0 kits. The craftsmanship and details of the 4.0 are our next level. Men, in general... Being the selfish beings we are, we have this high standard for grooming that we expect in females, you know? Mm-hmm. So we expect ladies to have this, uh, you know, high level of grooming. Right. And then we just walk around with these 70s bushes <laughs> like no one gives a shit about our big fuzzy balls and shit. Like, that's what's up. <laughs> and uh, it turns out that is actually not true. Um, in the hard way, did you? Yeah, they, they don't like jungles down there either, I guess. Right, yeah, we just assume, like, no, we want you to trim that shit up and make it look good. Ours, it's cool. Right, yeah. It's it's God's will. That's just how it looks. So talking about this, like, with some of the people, like, when knowing the sponsorship was coming up, a lot of people were like, oh, well, you know, I got a girl or I'm married or whatever. I promise you, just because she hasn't said it, they, they care. It makes a fucking difference. And honestly, if you got a girl or a wife, your junk's probably getting seen more than the average dude. So it's I, I probably would, more. I would hope. Right, hopefully. It's <laughs> kind of the fucking point. And if you're not, then you definitely need to monitor that shit, because last thing you want to do is go pick up some strange and fucking, Ew. I tell you, you unleash that shit show on them, they will tell their friends. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> So in, in any way they do, we are telling our friends. Just so you know. <laughs> yeah. So if you don't call Manscaped and use the promo code bad guy, just know the first time you go meet her and her friends, they're thinking, <laughs> hey, what's up, jungle balls? <laughs> uh Manscaped's engineered the ultimate groin and body trimmer by focusing on intelligent functionality and incredible comfort, incredibly comfortable grooming experience. The upgraded trimmer includes a multifunction on and off switch that can engage a travel lock. Uh, it's got a 400K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off, and it allows you to customize your trim through additional guard lengths. Man, that light. <laughs> I swear to God, when I first got it, I was like, Turn it off. Why the fuck do I need a light on a fucking shaver? <laughs> and then I used it, and I'm like, Oh. Oh, because oh, I never saw the... that before. <laughs> <laughs> That that four thousand K LED light. That's that's what I was missing this whole yeah. time. Yeah. Manscaped said, fuck that where the sun don't shine shit. We're gonna reinvent that shit. We're gonna take care of that for you. And uh look, they have other products too. They got uh the weed whacker, which is a face trimmer. They got different types of, you know, cleansing stuff. They got shirts, they got they got they got everything, so go check it out. Um, Anything for the ladies? Yeah. Balls. The, yeah. <laughs> balls. For all the ladies, clean balls. <laughs> all the clean balls you could ask for. Yeah. They smell a lot better now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, this is my favorite point, so I'm going to be very specific on this one. Men, if you've been shaving with the same nut trimmer on your face, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> You you don't want what's on your balls on your, your face. face. <laughs> what what's messed up is I like, oh shit! I didn't realize we had to mention that. We better be specific. Yeah. You're going to your face with a hairy ass radio. <laughs> better it, not. It's like clerks. You never go ball. Uh, you never go ass to mouth. Yeah, yeah you do. You never go balls to face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you do want to, you can clean the thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, because it is waterproof and it comes with a little brush and stuff. So, yeah, 
So it's time to get your own ball, hair, and body trimmer with Manscaped to make me time the best time uh, and enhance your confidence with some nice, smooth voice. <laughs> get 20% off plus free shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. You guys get 20% off and free shipping with the code BADGUY at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use BADGUY as the code. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. And before we get started, I got to make sure we take the time to thank Sixfo Swaino for letting us use his music in the intro. We want to thank Cancer for letting us use his music in the mid-roll. You can follow them on both on Instagram. It's Sixfo Swaino, that's F-O-E, and Cancer the God, the E is a three. And then you can follow us at Bad Guy Podcast on both TikTok and Instagram. And then the Bad Guy Pod on Twitter, Bad Guy Podcast on Facebook. And if you're having a hard time finding any of them, you can go to the website, badguypodcast.com and get all the info from there so we'll go ahead and get started and the bad guy we're covering today is joseph michael valachi this ain't negotiation time this is scarface final scene fucking bazookas under each arm say hello to my little friend so we got joseph michael valachi aka joe cargo aka joe cargo he's from chicago carrying some cargo (laughs) (laughs) he's a transporter he is Jason Statham. <laughs> now I'm going to picture him the whole time. Great. There you go. So Joe Valachi was born September 22nd, 1903 in Harlem, New York. East Harlem, actually, which is uh, Italian Harlem. To immigrant parents from Campania, Italy. His parents had 17 children. What the what? Joe was one of six that survived. Damn. Oh, wait, only six? Yeah. Damn. That poor woman, man. Like, leave her alone, dude. <laughs> the fuck off of her. You know? It's a vagina, not a clown car. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if this contributes to the uh, why only six survived, but his father was a violent alcoholic, mm. which at a young age led to Joe spending more and more time running the streets. As a teenager, he began his criminal career with a gang called the Minutemen because they specialized in small-time smash-and-grab robberies and disappearing within minutes. Valachi was their getaway driver, and his ability to consistently get his crew safely away from the scene of the crime made him like a rising star in the criminal underworld. It's funny, because you did say the transporter earlier, so I guess he really was <laughs> little teenage Jason. Well, he's a teenager, so I guess he was more baby driver, yeah. probably. <laughs> he got arrested for the first time in 1921, did a, couple, did a little bit of time for grand larceny, and then in 1923, he was arrested leaving a failed robbery. He pled guilty to attempted burglary and was sentenced to 18 months in Sing Sing prison. Mm. Sing Sing, it's still a shithole prison in New York that you don't want to be in. Uh, in the early 1900s, it was even more of a shithole prison because it was more of a dungeon. So it's still there? Yeah, we're still sending people there. Sing Sing is where Old Sparky, the original ele- electric chair. Mm. So since yeah. then, the term Old Sparky has been adopted for a bunch of different electrical chairs where they used it in the uh, the Green Mile. Yep. But the original one was in Sing Sing. So he gets sentenced to 18 months. And in prison, he meets a man named Alessandro Valero. And Alessandro Valero introduces him to the American Mafia. And Joe Valachi, you know, always having a shitty dad, not much of a family life, was like, yeah, a crime family for Italians? I fucking want in. That's huh? like a promotion for him. So that's when Valachi decided he wants to become a made man. Okay. So he gets an early release from prison after nine months, and he goes back to his old crew to find out they replaced him with a new driver. He reaches out to some of his prison connections. They hook him up with some people, and he begins working as an associate of the Lucchese family. He starts running with them, and eventually he ends up working as a driver 
for a member of the Maranzano family. So they're like, well, he does have a good skill set. He's a pretty good driver. Someone's got to need a driver. Mm-hmm. So he gets him a gig, and he, he he's just a low-level gangster. Then in 1930, he became a made man during the height of the Castellamare's War. So what is he, like 30? Uh, like 28 or something. Yeah, he'd be 27. What are they pouring down the drain? <laughs> uh, that's beer. Those sons of oh, bitches. So it was a war on all fronts because at, at that time, all the gangs were kind of like different little warlord tribes and not just different gang, but you also had the, you know, the Irish fighting the Italians and the Jews fighting, you know, other people. So it, like New York was like the gangster wild west at that time. And then on top of it, you had the Fed and the agents who were also trying to bust everybody. So he gets made into the Maranzano family. He ends up moving his way up from a driver to he becomes a bodyguard for Salvatore Maranzano, who's the the head of one of the biggest families in New York. The Castellamare's War ends in 1931 when Lucky Luciano strategically arranged for the deaths of Joe the Boss Masseria and Salvatore Maranzano. Oh. There's different options here. So in some things, I see that Joe Valachi sided with Lucky Luciano. And then that's one of the reasons Lucky Luciano's able to strategically take them both out. Maybe it was just a shitty bodyguard. Either way, the guy he's bodyguarding gets killed. (laughs) You had one job. (laughs) The fuck? And uh, Valachi gets absorbed as a member of the Luciano family. So so that's one of the things that you think, well, maybe he was, you know, maybe he did help him out because Lucky Luciano absorbed him into his family. We gotta yeah. assume not a lot of people gave a fuck back then because they were probably absorbing other members from that family as well. well yeah, whoever right? was left, they, I mean, they either well, ran off or fucking became. Well, so this is when, after the Castle Lamare's Wars, that's when Lucky Luciano kind of they rearranged the New York family. So that's when they took all the gangs, they arranged it to the five families. They came up with the National Crime Syndicate. They came up with like a uniform set of rules and ways they were going to behave. So there was kind of like a huge like restructuring of the whole thing after that. Because they're like, dude, we've been killing each other on these streets for a fucking decade now. And it's kind of getting ridiculous. We killed off all these old Sicilians. And that's what a lot of the Sicilians were fighting over, like old country beefs. Yeah. Sending their soldiers to war over fucking shit that happened over the seas and shit. I got you. Well, and, and not only that. So that was a big thing Lucky Luciano didn't like. He's like, and Lucky Luciano was born in Sicily, but he, he was raised in America. So he wasn't American. He was like Al Capone. Al Capone said, I'm not, I'm not Italian. I'm from Brooklyn. And uh, Lucky Luciano was one of the first like that. So he grew up on the Lower East Side with a bunch of Jewish kids. First of all, the Sicilians, they're fighting over beefs that are from back in Sicily. And then on top of that, they're like, no, we only work with Sicilians, maybe Italians. Stay away from those Jewish kids. And Lucky Luciano like, was like, well, these are my boys. Like, I just met you. Like, I grew up with these guys. So it was just a um, like a culture clash. You know, you had the old school guys. And Lucky Luciano represented, like, the younger American branch that grew up in America, that grew up working with different nationalities, and they grew up not giving a fuck about old world beefs. Right. Like, they didn't care, like, I'm Sicilian and you're from Naples. Like, isn't that all Italy? <laughs> we're, we're, we're from Harlem. What, what does that matter? But Falaccio becomes a member of the Luciano family working under Vito Genovese, and in 1932, he married Carmela Reina, Riena, who was... The oldest daughter of a murdered mob boss. So he marries her. Wait, did we hear their story before? No. Oh. They're just, some of these mob snobs might want to mention that 
that you know she was uh gaetano rihanna's oldest daughter he was actually kind of a guy that helped Falachi get into the mob but you know he was kind of killed in the castle of mario's wars kind of killed he was really, really killed. He was really killed. D-E-D. <laughs> they would go on to have one son that would eventually go into the construction field. No waste management. <laughs> no, he actually, you know, construction in New York is often up for grabs. Like, that could be whatever. But he legitimately was, went straight. Oh, okay. So he had oh. a son that just grew up and was just a regular dude in New York. You don't think there's bodies buried under something he's built? I mean, possibly. I mean, it's New York. There's probably bodies built under every piece of construction that happened, whether the construction workers were involved or not. He might have had a no question policy. <laughs> <laughs> like the old school military, don't ask, don't tell. I don't want to know. Plausible deniability. I just work this backhoe. I leave the holes open at night. Right. I fill them back up in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need no money. Don't leave me no money. <laughs> so Joe Valachi's kind of got his dream. He becomes a made guy. He comes out on the right side of the Castle Amari Wars. He's in the Luciano family. He's working under Vito Genovese. He gets married. He has a kid. It's everything he'd wanted. Except over the next 20 years, Valachi never rose above the rank of soldier. So, well, so one of the big things at the time is once Prohibition ends, which is in 1932, so this is right about that time, during Prohibition, these gangs were almost functioning like armies, you know, like, well, look, we need manpower. So you just do whatever, you know, you could just drive the trucks or you ride shotguns in the truck or you're this guy's bodyguard or you're this. And then we got all this money and we whack it up each way. Well, when that all dries up, the format changes a little bit to once you're a made guy, you have to either be an earner where you have to go find your own schemes. You know, it's a pyramid scheme. You bring, mm. you go out and come up with schemes where you bring in money and then part of everything you earn goes uphill or you can be like a, a hitman like the guy that's going to handle all the dirt and he kind of wasn't either <laughs> okay gotcha i mean he got in as a pretty good driver he was down for whatever he was you know a bit of a burly guy but he wasn't like a, a tommy karate hitman he was just a dude which during wartime you need bodies so it, it's fine he's scrappy or whatever but now that everybody's got to be independent and they got to do their own shit he just doesn't bring much to the table he did end up involved in a, a couple of hits. September 20th, 1952, a guy named Eugenio Giannani was found shot to death. Now, this guy was a close friend of Alachi's that was found out to be snitching. Ooh, that never ends well. And Valachi volunteered to handle this hit for no charge. It's personal. A lot of people think that Valachi might have even been informing also and volunteered to kill him before anybody else could find out. Hmm. But I you haven't it. killed anybody in like fucking 12 years. Yep. No problem. <laughs> it's okay. Go. I got it. Um, in 1953, he was also involved in the murder of a mobster named Stephen France, who was strangled to death on the order of Vito Genovese. And all in all, it seemed like he would be linked to a, about four different murders. I don't know how many of them were like murders. Like some of them, he would just arrange it or he put the crew to get, you know what I mean? Put the thing together. He just wasn't a cold blooded killer. Um, I just want to throw those in there because he did do some dirt. You can't be in the mob as a soldier for fucking 30 years without ever having to doing anything. But around this time, it turns out he's got a reputation for being unintelligent and barely literate. I heard him described as both two-faced and bitter. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, that was like a, the fucking four horsemen of you're going to be a soldier your whole life right there. You know what I mean? <laughs> Thanks a lot, alcoholic pops. <laughs> right? Fuck. Like, I mean... It, 
Thanks for setting me up for some future pops. Fucking illiterate. <laughs> like I'm fucking impatient. I'm bitter. Like that sounds like the the, the straight up traits of a shitty alcoholic. Straight <laughs> handed down to Mr. Cargo. <laughs> well, and he. Mr. Cargo. If you're gonna be a terrible dad, at least be so bad that you turn him into a badass. Also, just like Joe Velasquez, he's not much of either. Like I'm a terrible alcoholic, violent dad, but I'm not so bad that I turned him into a good gangster either. I'm just shitty at all of this. Well, I mean, life. <laughs> it, well, I mean, the one good thing he did was he turned his kids straight, supposedly. So, I mean, this is, he's so bad being bad, but he was fucking bad being good at turning his kid into somebody who didn't want to follow in his footsteps. So, I guess a, at least one takeaway from it. But thanks again, alcoholic <laughs> grandpa, for fucking up pops. But at least you hooked me up. So, over these years, right, you know, he comes in under Vito Genovese. And then he starts watching all these guys that he was in the Castellamari's War. So, you know, Lucky Luciano, Vito Genovese, like all these guys. There's five families, and these guys become capos and underbosses, lieutenants. And they're just watching. He's watching them all move up. And he's still a soldier. And then he gets to a point where eventually guys below him start to skip him over, too. Uh-oh. <laughs> Damn. So <laughs> it's like fucking, what's this fuck? Oh, God damn it. What's that movie? Um, falling down, <laughs> like falling down mob edition and shit. He's fucking, he's ready to fucking flip out at the defense board and fucking. It's like working at McDonald's forever and being a cook for thirty years. Damn. So I I don't know how well you know you hit that on the head. So Joe Valachi is kind of a big name, like in the you know in the mob circle. I don't know that that's ever been said, but now that it has, this could definitely be like falling down mob edition yeah like just some dude that just can't seem to get anything fucking going yeah, i mean it's like fucking spitting and like not spitting image you know i haven't seen the picture of him yet but i think i might know who i'm picking for my actor already <laughs> <laughs> so yeah now it's even worse now guys below him are skipping over him and then uh one of the dudes came up under Velachi. Velachi like mentored him he was his protege then he skips over him and becomes Velachi's boss and he's kind of not even a fan either. He's like, yeah, this guy kind of sucks, though. And uh, he oh, all right. he ends up leaving Velachi with, like, three jukeboxes as his, like, that's what he has to earn off of. Ah. Not even a cigarette machine, huh? Jukebox. <laughs> so eventually he starts moving towards drugs, you know, selling drugs to pay the bills. This is in the 50s. Drugs wasn't quite the business that it was now. And a lot of families didn't even want people going into drugs. Okay. No, they were doing drugs in their family. Um, so he wasn't doing anything against his family, but it was just kind of looked down on. And he didn't really go into it because he's like, oh, this is big money. He went into it because he's a criminal. He had nothing else. So he's like, well, I can get into, you know, I'll get into this. I need to make some money. I'll get into drugs. And I know this will surprise you guys, but he wasn't—he he wasn't really good at the drug business. So he was basically like a low-level middleman. So a lot of the mobsters were like on the import-export end, you know, bringing it over from Italy over here. And then you had some other guys that had like these big-time distribution chains, and he wasn't either. He got him his own pocket money and fucking just did the best he could for his game. I guess is that what you're saying? Like he yeah. like he didn't have it. Like I mean, I know you said they didn't really necessarily but his family was doing it but it wasn't like the jukeboxes where somebody said here you go man here's fucking 12 kilos of this and 10 pounds of that and yeah it was much more pick up a deal whenever you can and uh just low level shit just like he always did just didn't make a ton of money 
1957, Vito Genovese ends up taking over for Luciano as the boss of the family. And so now he's he started, he switches over to the family, and he's working for Vito. Now Vito's the boss of the family, and he's still a soldier and a crew. God, you imagine those meetups, like, every now and then when they see each other? <laughs> like, hey, man. He's, like, telling the other underlings, like, I used to be his right-hand man. They're like, yeah, fuck off, fucking weirdo. <laughs> At one point, I seen something that said he was, like, the third highest-ranking sergeant in his crew. Well, okay, well, so you got a capo. <laughs> and I mean, how many people's in a crew? Like, 12? So that's eh, not too good. He's really struggling through this crime life, man. It's... This crime life thing is just not for Joe. He's not good at it. Like the office and shit with Dwight. The assistant to the assistant. Like, no. Right. Yeah, what was he going to say? I'm the assistant manager. Like, no, you're the the manager's assistant. Yeah, yeah, yep. That was it. The manager's I'm... assistant. Very different. Big tuna just fucking getting them, spinning them around, fucking Dwight hating it. As tends to happen, being this petty middleman. He starts getting himself caught up, selling the drugs a couple times, gets popped a couple times. And then in 1959, Falachi ends up getting convicted of selling heroin and sentenced to 15 years in the Atlanta Federal Penitentiary. Mm. So it's uh, Atlanta USP is uh, it's a maximum security federal prison. He was busted by the Federal Narcotics Bureau. It's like the big time. And he's not. So he doesn't have money for a bunch of high-powered lawyers and shit. And he just gets rolled and sent to the pen. I imagine so. He probably got fucking chewed up and spit out through the court system. Because like you said, he's illiterate. He's fucking impatient. He's probably yelling at the judges and lawyers and shit. Fucking blaming them for his problems. And and on top of it, this poor guy's fucking in his, what, mid-50s, early 50s, going in the clink for a fucking long-ass bid. Damn. Yeah, this is breaking. This is fucking not breaking bad. This is falling down. This is breaking falling bad. This is uh falling down, but just in the mafia for sure, you know. Damn. Yeah, so he'd be 56 years old and he's got he's got a record going back to the 20s and shit like yeah. He's screwed. And then uh so he gets sent to Atlanta USP. Now, later that same year, Vito Genovese Ends up getting popped on a separate, unrelated drug charge, and he gets convicted. And a lot of people thought, a lot of the testimony seemed fairly iffy, or they thought the case was kind of iffy. Like, he got busted off, off of one witness, where it didn't, like, the testimony of one witness, that kind of didn't match up. And they are like, how the fuck did this happen? This doesn't even make sense. Like, he's the boss of the whole family, and he's getting popped on a drug charge. He had just became the boss, and uh, he gets convicted, and... Uh, he also gets sent to do his time in Atlanta USP. Uh-oh. Mm. I'm thinking I'm seeing where this is going. <laughs> so, Velocci's known Vito most of his life. The problem is, most of his life, he'd kind of gotten by of Vito Genovese's, like, good graces. Like, as long as Vito was looking out for him or kind of handing him some table scraps or whatever, he was always good to go. Give him them fucking jukeboxes and let him keep them. <laughs> <laughs> This motherfucker's been here for 30 years, okay? He's the sergeant's assistant's assistant's assistant. <laughs> so, Velocci is like, oh, hey, well, this would be cool. But they get in prison, and they live very different lives. So, Vito Genovese goes to prison, and he has prisoners. Like, he has people that would do his work for him. People that are taking care of <laughs> all his stuff. You know, He's got fucking groupies in prison and shit. That's awesome. Well, I mean, I guess he's the boss. And Joe Valachi don't. So Joe Valachi just has to work. His prison life sucks. But he's like, well, fuck, you know, here's my guy Vito. And Vito don't give a fuck about Joe Valachi. And, uh, and Vito's kind of a psychopath. He's a real dick. 
you know, we, we probably could cover him one day, but you know, he's just a bad dude in general. And now he's the boss and he's pissed cause he's in uh, prison, but he's also a little paranoid, you know, and he's sitting there and he sees this fucking goof around all the time. And at some point he says, you know, this motherfucker's in on drug charges too, right around the same time. And, uh, Vito Genovese decided that it was probably Joe Valachi that snitched, snitched on him. And it makes sense. Cause earlier in the episode, you mentioned that when it was time to to do that hit he was all puppy dog about it like he was the person who might have been doing the snitching himself you know what i'm saying so this makes sense that he's all doting on Vito when he comes into the clink and then Vito doesn't want fucking nothing to do with him rightfully so i guess but that's what i thought when i said earlier i see where this is going is that i i thought too that maybe this guy snitched so what we're gonna do we're gonna take a quick smoke break refill our drinks and we'll be back in a minute Survive. So 
silver bullets in the sky, dropping seven second death. Scattering the children, run, rubbing till there's nothing left. Ashes in the water, sons and daughters holding flags up high, wallowing the harbor as the military tanks arrive. Penetrate the border with disorder like an animal. Every war has the honor of turning kings into cannibals. We're back. So when we left off, <laughs> Valachi was stuck in Atlanta USP with Vito Genovese, who now believed that Joe Valachi had snitched on him, and he was the reason that he was doing time on a drug charge. Dirty little rat. In 1962, Vito Genovese comes up to Joe Valachi and kisses him on the cheek. Joe Valachi said this is the kiss of death, and man, he was marked for death. So on June 22nd, 1962, Valachi's on the yard. He notices a Genovese associate that they used for contracts over by the gym equipment, just staring at him. <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how people usually act in prison. And shit. So he starts looking around and shit, and uh, he finds a pipe over near construction equipment. And uh, Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> falling down. <laughs> falling down and shit. So he grabs his pipe, and the guy starts walking over towards him, and just, Valachi just starts smashing him in the head with the pipe and just beats the shit out of him and beats him to death Whoa. in the yard. What, if, what did you say about my snow globe? Come here. What if he's bad at reading people in that? Right. <laughs> the guy was looking at his form or right. something. Damn. Hey, what, what is a that lucky t- pipe. That's like a video game. Like, you're fucking walking through the corridor, and it's all dark and shit, and then there's, like, a weapon on the side, and you're like, fuck, I needed that. I was about to fucking boss and shit. <laughs> fucking boss fight coming up. Beep, 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 beep. Like, fuck it, he picks up the fucking pipe, and it's like, perfect fucking timing. Right. I needed to smash your face in. <laughs> so, yeah, it turned out it was the wrong dude, and the guy had no gang affiliations at all. Duh. Oh. It, was, it was a whole wrong guy? Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, just some dude. Some guy Paranoia is a Wasn't even coming over to talk to him and shit. He was just walking that way. Vito, why'd you fucking kiss me, man? The fuck, Vito? Yeah, now he's No paranoid. one looks right now. Everybody's getting smashed. Because of confusion. CO, smash. <laughs> now he's a convicted felon that was doing 15 years on a drug charge with a murder. And uh, he gets charged with murder and he starts and he's facing the death sentence. He should fight that in court. Like, why was there a pipe in the prison yard? That's entrapment, right? (laughs) Am I not supposed to beat the dude with the pipe? And I mean, if anything, he was dead anyways, in in my opinion, after that. Because after that, like, you'd freak out and beat the fuck out of somebody with a pipe after Vito kissed you. Like, now Vito's like, dead ringer. This motherfucker (laughs) ratted me out. So now he's facing the death sentence, and he's fearing his life from Vito Genovese. And... He reaches out and says that he will agree to talk to the FBI in exchange for government protection. I didn't talk before, guys, but now I'm definitely ready to talk. Like, if they think I talk, well, then I might as well just talk. Damn. So at this time, Bobby Kennedy, 
was the attorney general. JFK got not elected in 60. He made his brother, Bobby Kennedy, the attorney general, and he's like a notorious mob buster. Like he was big on trying to take out organized crime. So when he finds out they got this guy that's an actual mafia member that's willing to talk to the FBI, he's like, dude, this is our big opportunity. We got to jump on this. So they pull Valachi out of his cell in the middle of the night and move him to Westchester, New York, under an assumed alias in solitary confinement. But he didn't say anything yet, right? Well, no. Well, so when he he sits down with the FBI or he sits down with the federal government, they uh they kind of outsmarted him. Like I know that's a shocker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it turned out the FBI had more information than they knew. Like the FBI had a policy then they could surveil and stuff like that, but they couldn't use any of it for to prosecute. Like it couldn't I count as evidence. I remember some hearing about something like that. Yeah, it was kind of like they had some free range to get some stuff, you know, so they could do like, you know, some bugging or, you know, they, and then they would do a bunch of surveillance. So they had a bunch of information. They just didn't know what the fuck any of it meant. There's just a thousand Italian guys and there's some Jewish guys and there's a bunch of words. So they had an idea, you know, so it's not like they knew nothing and they get them in there and they had the one term that they knew, but they didn't know what that, what it meant, but they sit them down and they're trying to get them to flip and, and he's thinking about it. He's like, look, you, if I get found guilty, I get the death sentence and you guys will kill me. But even if you don't, if I go back to prison, then Vito's going to kill me. So I don't have a whole lot of shit I can do here. You know what I mean? There's not a ton of options. So he, he's meeting with them. And what they do is they say, he, you know, he's giving them bullshit information or he's just kind of a dick. And they're like, look, you just talk because we know all about La Costa Nostra. Or he said, we know all about Costa Nostra. And he's like, oh, well, since you guys already know, we're like, yeah, well, this. And he starts giving them all kinds of information. Like real information? <laughs> yeah, all the information. <laughs> so they had got the term Costa Nostra all the time, and they had no clue what it meant. So they were looking at different meanings of different stuff, and they're like, is it our house? Is you know, What exactly are they saying? And Joe Valachi was the one that told them that in the mafia, he said the mafia is something that the papers and the books and the stuff like that made up. He said nobody in the mafia calls it the mafia. It's called Costa Nostra, and it means our thing. So they knew that there's this mystery Costa Nostra that's important, so they don't know if it's... <laughs> <laughs> a guy or a job or a place or an organization or what it is, but they just know, like, it's Costa Nostra if we can get to the bottom of it. <laughs> the other big thing that they had that they didn't know was the word omerta, which was silence. You know, it's like the, the they take the oath of omerta. So when you join the mafia, it's like omerta means silence. You don't talk ever. So he's the one that explains it. Oh, omerta means silence. And he was technically the first person in American history to break omerta. By talking about Costa Nostra, talking about the outsiders, where there'd be there'd been people that snitched and there'd been people that informed, but they just said like, yeah, this guy robbed a thing or this guy did this. Like they snitched on people and they snitched on crimes, but they never told on the mafia. And you know what? I mean, I know this is kind of breaking bro code in in terms of Costa Nostra's eyes, but it's kind of their own fault, man. They had a couple chances, like they made them, they let them dangle. Yep. Um, you know, they, I'm sorry, they let him dangle. Well, yeah, they let him dangle, and they dangled the fucking carrot in front of him for 30 fucking years. He was the assistant's assistant and shit. And then fucking... <laughs> then they had the chance to just whack the fucker. I mean, like, even his protege, or not even maybe protege, but the guy he was tasked with bringing up didn't think much of him. Genevieve apparently thought he was a fucking mosquito on his fucking side, or whatever you want to say. So I guess what I'm saying is, like, they had the chance to whack the dude. They had the chance to... Make them something, I mean, you know, break them off a little piece, you know, give them something to be fucking, uh, I guess, 
satisfied with so he ain't trying to fucking run drugs and fucking steal everybody's jukebox money and shit you know it's like <laughs> they had some chances so i can't really even i mean like don't get me wrong it's dirty to snitch on your co-workers or whatnot your co-workers, co-workers. <laughs> your comrades your you know your your brothers in arms but i mean it's kind of their own fault i mean most if he was a boss he would have been whacked by now yeah definitely i mean you sometimes you got to take care of these guys that's part of what that what it's supposed to be as an organization too, right? If he's stumbling or he's got problems, yeah. maybe he's a little slow. You took advantage of it when you needed bodyguards during a war. He was maybe good he enough, a, right? Yeah. Maybe he did a really good job covering up his frustration. But I mean, I figured if you brought it up that it was probably a known fact that he was like frustrated about getting passed over. So I guess like the, the indicators were there, you know? I mean, if they had like human resources and shit, they could have got this shit fixed. <laughs> you know, you, you would have, you would have just take him to some therapy <laughs> so he can work on his issues. You know, if that don't work, then you put him down. <laughs> they, HR would have did, would have did a, a competitive employment study to find out what the other mob families were paying their, right. t- their uh, technicians. They, they so they could... sent their monthly or yearly survey, uh, survey monkey shit out. <laughs> so... It turned out the FBI had shitloads of information. They just didn't know what none of it meant. <laughs> All right. And uh, Joe Valachi function, I heard it referred to as a Rosetta Stone. So he was like the mafia Rosetta Stone. So once you had him, all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, this is, you know, he's able to explain everything. So Bobby Kennedy hears this and he was like, fuck, yeah, mob so, bust him. Let's... So Joe Joe was uh, the very first urban dictionary. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot of people call him the first rat. Because he's not the first one to rat, right, but, but he was like, the first. He's the rat. <laughs> right, the big one. He wrote mobs for dummies. And on top of it, it was like accidental too. It was almost, it wasn't really a dry snitch, but it I mean, it was almost kind of like a reverse Jedi fucking snitch. You know what I mean? Like they fucking <laughs> Jedi Yeah, we know all tracked. about this shit. Yeah, yeah. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. So you guys know what a Costa Nostra is, huh? <laughs> <laughs> so part of this that's crazy though, because now once, once everybody gets word that he's talking and they transfer out of the prison, Vito, Vito Genovese puts a $100,000 head out on Joe Valachi, ah. in which back in the day, that used to work real smooth. $100,000, it don't matter if you're in prison. Like, some guard will do that. Fuck, you might get an FBI guy to do it for hundred grand. <laughs> right, that's big money. So there is some debate when it comes to the thing between Vito and Joe Valachi. Some people say that Valachi did snitch and was snitching the whole time since the early in the 50s, and Vito found out and was going to kill him. Some people say that Valachi wasn't snitching and Vito didn't know anything and he was just paranoid as fuck mm. and just fucked up. Because like how he says that he got the kiss of death. If you look up at the mafia, the kiss of death, you'll find one example of it. And it's uh, this. Okay. Oh. Well, because I wanted to check that. Like I do a lot of mob stuff and I've always heard it. But when you do research, it always comes back to this. And I did it. Now there's like other stuff like go that goes back to like Spain or old like... Uh, like mythological stuff, you know what I mean? But as far as like practical use of mobsters doing that, there's very little. So maybe he was snitching the whole time and you, you know what I mean? And Vito knew it. Vito might not even, like Vito might have just not liked him and Joe Valachi was paranoid and freaked the fuck out. And that's interesting that you said that because being the Rosetta Stone that he was for the FBI. And then, like, he just comes out of left field with this because we were like, it called, you called it the kiss of death. And, and he knew that he was fucking, in, in Vito's eyes, he was as good as mincemeat from then. And I know that's not what you said, but I mean, yeah. you know, but, but 
he just made that shit up? Like, this is the only reference of it? Like, he knows all of this shit about the fucking mafia, and this one he just pulled up out of his own delusions one day. He was like, the kiss of death, I read that somewhere. I mean, I didn't read that somewhere. I heard about that somewhere. Uh, uh, fuck, I'm, I'm fucked. <laughs> so, but anyways, it's like, what the fuck, man? Like, you're this fucking mob dictionary ready to stool on your boys at the FBI. Which, you know, is their fault, like I said earlier. But then you fucking make up the kiss of death thing? Like, what the fuck, dude? Because what? Most of this is told through Joe's eyes? or At the time, it was all told through Joe's eyes. Now, later down the line, one breaks the dam. After this, once other people start snitching and then you start getting all kinds of more information, everything starts to become a little bit clearer. Mm -hmm. And now when it comes to this kind of stuff, history and the mafia, there's no for sure. You know, like historians and fans or whatever, these people will argue that have committed their whole life to this research and they'll argue over the details. So who really knows? But yeah, maybe he was snitching. He might not have been, might not have been trying to kill him. He might have just been this crazy old dude. I mean, judging from the guy that he beat to death with a pipe, that, you know, he was just paranoid. I, I, I yeah. feel like he was yeah. just paranoid. <laughs> and like, I, I mean, it to me, I'm sorry, to me, it uh, it makes the story better. Just hearing that, that comment that he said, like, about how people argue it o- over it, like, you know, who the best hitter of all time and in baseball is or something, that just makes it even better for me. And Who's you your know. top five mobster? <laughs> right on. <laughs> who is the snitchiest bitch in your mob fucking group? But yeah. Amvalachi, he does move on to have more uh, mental issues, which also may have ran in the family. So who knows? I mean, he is he's a career criminal, so clearly he's got some issues and he ain't that bright. It's not that far-fetched to think that he could have just been confused as fuck. So, you know, he start, he just starts telling them everything, and, you know, he starts putting all this stuff together, so they're like, fuck yeah, and uh, Bobby T- Kennedy as the attorney general, he's got, like, his old buddy, Senator uh, John McClellan, who would open up, oh, yeah. he'd opened up a subcommittee back, like, earlier in the 50s, so when you look at old, like, mob stuff, there was the Kefauver hearings, and then there was the McC- McClellan subcommittee, so McClellan, he sets up a, a Senate committee that ended up being known as the Vlachi hearings. And prior to that, he had done interviews, so he'd do, like, for weeks, he did, like, three to six hours a day. They said they couldn't do more than that because he'd start getting grumpy, so they'd have to wrap it up for the day. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't kidding earlier. Like, he's fucking so grumpy, like, he's in front of the feds, and he's like, no, no, part-time is good enough for me, guys. I mean, yeah, he's... Close to 60, so... Yeah, I did remember, know. yeah. In the 1960s, 60. Born in, yeah, born yeah, in 1906, so, you know, 60. That's yeah. like 80 now. <laughs> <you know? laughs> well, and, you know, people have been shitting on me my whole life. I'm going to take a stand right yeah. here, okay? Yeah, fuck <laughs> it. You guys got me balls of the wall any fucking ways. Like, I don't fucking care. <laughs> got nothing to lose. I want a steak after, too. Fuck it. A so, porterhouse. <laughs> So then this brings us uh, the McClellan hearings that we now know as the Valachi hearings. So you see those big things in the back? Those are all lists of the families with pictures of guys and names and stuff. In this thing, Valachi explained to the government the origin of the Italian mafia, the initiation rituals, the organizational structures, the titles of the positions. He gave them the names of the five New York crime families and the bosses. And then he informed on other families nationwide. Wow. So, I mean, he was pretty... Not a bright dude, but he broke it down for them pretty good, huh? So I heard this, and it actually, because I thought that same thing. Like, well, how the fuck does he know all this? And for one, he had grew up through most of it. 
So even though he wasn't a bright dude, he was in the middle of these wars, like as the, you know, the Castle Amari's wars where this yeah. whole thing shook itself out. So he's seen all that. And it said that as soldiers, a lot of times they had more information some of, than some of these other people would because they're out there on the streets and they need to know who's who. Like, you can't put your hands on made guys. You can't rob a game that's represented by somebody. So they had to know a lot yeah, yeah. because they're out on the streets earning. So you got to know where you can step and where you can't step and who's who. Whereas some bosses, they're kind of collective. I mean, they know shit, but at a much higher level, they're looking. God damn it, Tone. I'm a people person, mobster. I know all these guys on the streets. It's been 40 years. HR need to take care of these motherfuckers. Right? <laughs> I mean, they know too much. <laughs> you got to keep your foot soldiers happy. <laughs> you need some PTO and shit. Yeah, right. Some fucking Holidays spot bonuses and shit. and shit. The fuck? Some happy hours, team and- bonding events. And imagine the, right. the amount of information that he single-handedly gave them probably did the job of whole squads of their fucking detectives. You know, that's put wild. On, put him on the payroll. Right. <laughs> he identified by either name or nickname 317 mafioso. So the NBA. 3,000. <laughs> the fucking NBA, basically. Like, more than the NBA, right? Fuck. So they were just showing him pictures. And, yeah, there was guys he knew. And there were some guys he's like, well, I don't know. That's, you know. Damn. It's Tony, Tony Toucans. And they're oh, yeah. like, you know, who, 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 I don't know. That's all I know. But then they take that and then they reference that and they're like, bam. Right. We got a fucking name. Right. You know, because you just need Yeah, I'm sure a lot of that was that, you know. Like, when we know about this, well, what can you tell us about this? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. So these McClellan hearings, they ended up being the influence for the Senate here at Scenes in Godfather 2. I love this picture and I love the story behind it because it's like, earlier in the episode we had the mob falling down and now it's like the mob circle of life because without this guy <laughs> snitching we wouldn't have the godfather 2 scene that we have right here you know what i mean fuck we might not have the godfather who knows i mean maybe who you know he didn't have maybe he didn't know anything about the mob until you know all of these hearings laid it out for him That's, and then he made the godfather i, I don't right. know but anyways yeah fucking this could be how a lot of these movie scripts got their fucking yeah. ideas from well, we, we covered, like, some of, uh, like, in the Lenny Montana episode where we talked about the Godfather a little bit. But, yeah, it's always, like, art imitating life, imitating art, imitating life. That, it, yeah, it turns into this cycle of, you know, everything's feeding it to itself. Because this is inspired by real events, but then other people watch this and think, oh, this is how I should act. And this is how the mob is. Yeah. I'm going to make my mob movie, or I'm going to act like this in real life when I decide to rob the trains or whatever. I got you. So he he lays all this information out. But ultimately, he was considered an unreliable witness because he is a killer. And a month after the Vlachi hearings, JFK was assassinated. And then, like, with less than a year after that, Bobby Kennedy, uh, he steps down as the attorney general. And then the whole war on organized crime just kind of fizzles out. So not a single arrest was made based off the testimony that he gave at the Senate hearing where he gave him everything. Bobby Kennedy got a... Got word to uh, not proceed with his actions. <laughs> but yeah, you know what, Bobby? This doesn't look like a good idea. Remember how your brother got elected? Remember how that worked out for him? Yeah. Uh, your brother's not the president no more, Bobby. And we're just going to still want to move. We got all this that? information and we're just going to stop. I think your, <laughs> your witness is now unreliable and sketchy. Don't you, Bobby? <laughs> Afterwards, Valachi, he really struggled with having snitched or whatever. Like, at some points, he said that he did it because he just felt bad having lived a life of crime and wanted to be a good guy. But then other times, he said he was just feared for his life and stuff. But afterwards, 
you could you could watch a lot of his testimony. You can go watch YouTube clips. I might try and post some of them of like his his testimony at the Senate committees and like shit. Audio. Yeah, you can watch actual videos. You can. Yeah, you can watch wow. him. Sit, yeah, you can watch him answering questions and talking and shit. And he talked a lot about. So he he explained the whole initiation, right? So he explained how you got made. And he explained the whole ceremony, like, look, they have a gun and a knife because we're going to live by the gun and the knife. And he said, you live by it, you know, you live by it, you die by it. And uh, explained, like, they do the blood and fire, so they pick your finger with the blood. And then they burn, like, a paper in your hand. And it, when he was explaining it all, he said, like, yeah, there's an oath, though, and I'm, I'm doomed. He said, like, what I'm telling you guys now, I'm ultimately doomed. Like, this is... Like, the, the senators would tell him, like, this is the most important promise of your life. He's like, yeah, this is an oath. I don't know when or whatever, but what I've told you is already too much. And ultimately, this is going to be the death of me because I took an oath and I'm ruining it. You know, and they, and they said, you know, you die or whatever. And I'm here talking, so I'm going to have to die. It's kind of, kind of disappointing. You can see why he struggled with it. Because as yeah. he's talking about it, he's like, yeah, this we're not supposed to do this. Well, you especially because now everybody does it. But imagine being the first snitch to be like, ah, nobody's ever done this, man. Well, on top of that, too, I mean, that almost makes me buy into more of the he was just a paranoid, confused guy theory. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, now he's like sitting there and he's fucking really struggling with it. And all these FBI guys who probably are mostly just worried about their next pro promotion are like, wait, wait. Like, yeah, we all took an, F, uh, an oath to be FBI agents and shit, but really, you're just after the payday, right? And he's like, no, like, I fucking took an oath for brotherhood. I was a goddamn soldier for 30 fucking years. What do you mean, you little fucking prick? You just started an FBI five years ago. Like, you can't understand this shit. So now, like, it's kind of opening a different perspective on him and shit. So, wow, that's, you know, maybe he wasn't a snitch in the, in the early parts, huh? Fuck. I'm confused now, too. <laughs> Babe Bruce, the best hitter that ever lived. God damn it. Fuck. So he struggles. Uh, he has like a lot of some mental issues and shit. He tried to hang himself once. And he was in New York. He struggled with the cold. He was really paranoid being so close to New York. He was really you know, confident Vito was going to kill him. Bobby Kennedy. I read one thing that said Bobby Kennedy had these plans of he was like trying to be this like early witness protection pioneer and he was talking about i feel like pretty cheap we could take him and his wife and like send them to an island where no one could ever find them and they could just chill there forever and the government's like no nah, man we're not gonna do that but before bobby kennedy resigned he did push hard like hey somebody's gotta take care of this guy <laughs> like we just fucking ran him through the mud and they're gonna kill him and we're oh, just really? leaving him in a cold cell in new york so they eventually uh they moved him to nebraska um, <laughs> they moved into a place that's called the Federal Correctional Institution Latuna, which is a minimum security facility in Anthony, Texas. <laughs> okay. So it was warm. It was warmer. It, it is called Latuna. Uh, that is the name of the prison and shit. Um, but it's not like he's been in penitentiaries. This is a correctional institution. So it was like super minimum security, minimum security. It also had like an offsite camp that they worked at and, uh, he had like a he had like a suite where he had like a fucking he had a kitchenette so he had his own kitchen where he could cook and had like a comfortable <laughs> right. bed. He liked it. It was warm. So they did. They finally hooked him up and I sent him to the spot. Even though no nobody ever no arrests ever got done or anything, all the information it proved invaluable to the government and they uh, put together investigations over organized crime and it led to the Omnibus Crime Control and Safe Streets Act of 1968 and that allowed the use of electronic surveillance. And then the other one is the Racketeer Influenced and Corruption Organizations Act, the RICO statute of 1970. Ah. And the RICO Act is the big fucking, the big mob crusher. So what the RICO Act does is that convicted where if we could prove you're all in an organization, 
if you're the top guy, you're just as guilty of all the crimes. Because what would always happen was the bosses would always get off because they didn't technically do anything, so you could never arrest them for anything. So all you have to do is prove that you're an organization, and if you're both part of the organization and you're the boss, you're responsible for all these crimes. You were babysitting, and yeah. your babies got out. So you... <laughs> 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 that's what it is automatic never explain the rico acts like that but yes so you you had to be the boss though right it couldn't just be just some mob member um they used it when they, whenever they needed like lower mm. level guys they don't need to do that because you could just bust them on what you catch them doing you mm. know or usually get them to flip but yeah it was usually to bust the higher guys that the guys that don't get their hands dirty, right that like, you know are doing physically. stuff but you can't prove it but you can prove that well, he talks to this guy, and this guy talks to this guy, and this guy for sure killed him. Yeah, they they should have called it the DEFCON law. <laughs> They're like, all right, bro, you're automatically DEFCON 1 because you were the boss. Don't give a shit what your underlings were doing, bro. You should have had him in check. Yeah. DEFCON 1, motherfucker. In 1964, Valachi wrote his manuscript. It turned into a 1,180 rambling, barely legible pages called The Real Thing. The real, the real thing. thing. <laughs> he just wrote a bunch of shit down. And the Department of Justice encouraged it. They were like, no, we need, you know, we got this guy. We're going to push it. Like, we're going to, well, they th- they said this is going to encourage, like, new, uh, a new generation of snitches. You know, we need, we need to show the world that snitching's what's up. You know, let's write this book. I want to be the real thing. Yeah. So this dummy writes this terrible book, right? And then they're like... This is this don't even make any sense and shit. <laughs> so they brought in a writer named Peter Moss. I'm sorry. <laughs> so uh, one day I was. Uh... <laughs> it's almost kind of mean because we established he can barely read. Right. So we're gonna tell him to write a story. Look, we sent you to a warm prison. All right, sit down and fucking write. Five hundred pages? No, give us eleven hundred and fucking eighty. <laughs> God damn it. Barely legible? We don't give a shit. We'll figure somebody out to decipher those hieroglyphics, man. Fucking write that shit down. So Peter Moss gets it, and he's like, yeah, I can't. I can't write a book out of this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so what they did was they agreed to, they could he could get the manuscript, and he'd get an interview with Valachi, and then he can get like the transcript of the testimony. And they're like, look, take all that shit together and uh, write a book. So Peter, Peter Moss took all of it. It's not Joe Valachi's story. It's Joe Valachi's story versus a bunch of other shit and like kind of funneled into one story. But it turned into a book called the the Valachi Papers. And then a bunch of Italian organizations like were really pushing against its release because they were saying like it was uh legit. No, they were saying it was like a defamation. It, yeah, defamation. Well, one of them was the Italian Anti Defamation League, which was started by Joe Colombo, who's the boss of the oh, Colombo yeah, family. I Brought that, yeah, we, we've covered that on a cast before, I think, right? Yeah, they were like, yeah, you, you can't fucking, you can't release a book about the mafia that's, that's fucking stereotypical and that's just, you know, discriminating against, it's defamation they, against Italians and shit. And, and they're like, they successful a little bit? Oh yeah, they're super successful. All right, stuff. yeah. Like, yeah. they got but shit busted like that, uh, the, is the, that's a spicy meatball. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> It was Joe Colombo. He put he put together like they marched on the FBI and protested out there, and they're like, "You can't say there's a mafia. Like, you're a mob boss. Go sit down. You can't just say a spicy meatball. <laughs> like, we're gonna write a book about the mafia. Like, you can't do that. That's defamation. Like, there is no mob. Like, you're in the mob. 
The, fa- the Colombo family is named after you. <laughs> You've been dead for 40 years and it's still named after you. Like, yes, you can't say that. And you can't say meatball. <laughs> you can... Well, you can, but you can't say it like meatball. Yeah. Meatball. You can't you definitely say... say fucking spicy before, god damn it. <laughs> but yeah, so they all protest it. And uh, so obviously the Colombo family don't like the Valachi Piper, so they assemble that shit. But eventually ends up getting published in 1968. And it was later turned into a 1972 film starring Charles Bronson. So are you going to have to edit a spicy <laughs> meatball out? No, I, we, we covered spicy meatball before. We'll cover, we'll cover it again. I was going to say, I guess Jim Carrey didn't that's give his, a That's fuck, history, right? man. <laughs> Wait, this is a movie? Yeah, so that's Charles Bronson as Joe Valachi in uh, the Valachi oh, Papers. That ruins the end of this podcast for me. Because now I'm going to pick Charles Bronson. Yep. I do picture Joe Valachi flipping somebody off on the yard. Just fucking oh, yeah. angry for no fucking reason. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they made me talk for more than three hours today. I'm pissed. He's like this. You looking at, you looking at me? <laughs> shove it up yours. Shove it up yours. <laughs> and do you, then, what do you keep looking at? Guess what? I just spotted a pipe. All right, motherfucker? I'm going to pick it up. I'm feeling paranoid today. So Velocity was widely discredited by mafia members. Uh, he was described as a low-level gopher. A lot of them said he was two-faced, and people mm-hmm. had thought he was a snitch like a long time ago. Mm-hmm. So like they said they like intentionally leave him out of the loop, and they would intentionally <laughs> not fuck with him and stuff. And sh- <laughs> They're like, we never even had three sergeants, all right? <laughs> there never been a thing. Just like the kiss of death. <laughs> fucking moron. Look at the way he does up yours. <laughs> so when he explained his nickname is they knew him as joe cargo he said when i was growing up as joe cargo because i used to make i used to make these scooters out of old wood crates so they called me joe cargo and then just over time joe cargo with an accent just turned into joe cargo and then other gangsters said no that wood thing's not a story we showed it we called him joe cargo because cargo in italian means shit so we just no. called him <laughs> shit. damn yeah, damn, damn. <laughs> I mean, sweet caps at the end, mob, but the joke's still on you because you should have took care of fucking shit, shit Chicago or whatever the fuck you want to call them instead of letting them go fucking play goddamn. That just sounds like someone being bitter. He was a paranoid good guy, all right? He just had trouble reading and was fucking pissed off if you made him talk for too long. <laughs> Joe shit. It's like that's the that's the nineteen sixties Joe Dirt and shit. <laughs> no one's in you around, Joe Dirt. So you said you said cago means shit? Cago, yeah. And in, the, in, Ital- in, in, in Italian? Yeah, C A G O. Damn, how do I not know that or remember that? Like I swear I've been cussed at. Like every cuss word in Italian. By my grandparents, and I, I can't remember. How can I not remember that that was shit? But. Look, I don't speak Italian, but uh, I read that somewhere, so then I Googled it, and I seen, yeah, Cago translation right. as shit. So. All right. Um. <laughs> you never rode no box scooters, Joe. <laughs> you piece of shit. <laughs> Your scooters. Your scooters was shit. Your soldiering was shit. <laughs> uh, April 3rd, 1971, Vlachi died of a heart attack at the Federal Correctional Institution, Latuna. At 68 years old. 
Yeah. That's actually that's a that's a good run. That's yeah, awesome. being yeah, a rat, being the very first big ass rat. Yeah. <laughs> He's the first one to get protected. The the other ones, anybody else that snitch got thrown out a window or some shit. The spot where he stayed in Latuna, it's known as the Valachi Suite. Wow. And there's been other whole pro- high profile, like uh, another mobster, Jimmy Fratiano, like their whole pro- high pro- profile witnesses that are still in prison, but they're trying to take care of. That's like the like, okay, you know how we covered the Silverstein so, spot? Is like Silverstein right. is the worst place in Florence Supermax. But this is like the mobster's uh, suite. Right. <laughs> so the worst place you could go, if you're the worst of the worst, <laughs> you end up at the Silverstein suite in Florence Supermax's basement. Nice. Like the basement of the basement basement with its own little shower <laughs> and fucking outside space and everything. And Ooh. then if you're the ultimate other side, you go to the Valachi Suite in Latuna, Texas, at the fucking minimum security work camp and show, <laughs> where the only guns are to keep the bad mobsters out. <laughs> so that's the story of Joe Valachi. So say goodnight to the bad guy. Go on. The last time you're going to see a bad guy like this again, let me tell you. Wait, that's it? <laughs> he's dead. He's dead. He died. He's, he's dead. Got we him. made fun of him a lot. Uh, How's his son? What's his son up to? a pile of shit, apparently. Oh, yeah. He's Sorry. still doing construction to this day. Wait, is his son alive? He's got to be. I know. No, I got to be. He got to be. He got to be. be. He was born in the 30s and shit. He's got to be. 932. 90-year-old motherfucker. Out on the construction site and shit. He's gotta be. So now you guys haven't seen a picture, and obviously we've seen Charles Bronson played him before. Not, no one else could play him. I mean, Charles Bronson <laughs> sure plays grumpy, right? Oh and yeah. I could, see, I could see him doing mob fucking falling down all day long. Oh yeah. Who's it? Who who's falling down? Michael Douglas. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Michael Douglas. So I think Mark Wahlberg, but Mark Wahlberg from that one movie with Will Ferrell, where they were cops. <laughs> was it? Oh, uh, the other guys. The other, the other guys. guys. Like not badass, not like, like badass like... Mark Wahlberg, like uh, fumbly Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. He's like he kind of acted dumb. Uh, yeah. Mark uh... Wahlberg is good at acting dumb. <laughs> <laughs> what? He's a great actor, dude. Hey, no, hey, Mark Wahlberg. Hey, either way, it's, uh, acting's acting, Mark. Uh, you know, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Know what role you play. I'm, I'm, I'm going with uh, I'm going with Will Sasso. Will Sasso. I, I mean, I, I, I know he's not Italian looking. Yeah, I know he's good. not Italian looking, but I just picture him as somebody like playing this role. Like, I, I don't. You going Will Sasso? I'm I, going with Norm Macdonald. All right. I like I like both of them. Nor a Norm McDonald definitely a grumpy, bitter, uh, <laughs> yeah. skipped over. I guess. So here's a picture of Joe Valachi. Oh, big, big pussy, Vincent Pastor. Uh, man, if you gave Pat Pat and Ol- Oswalt kind of looking face and the one on the right, oh, yeah. uh, I can yeah. see yeah. I can see the King of Queens guy that we were talking about at the beginning. Kevin I mean, James, yeah, Kevin James could do him. He uh, got that Michael Douglas hair haircut though. Yeah, sure. He does got the falling down, yeah, fucking yeah. high top. And I was gonna pick Michael Douglas, but I mean, we brought him up. The movie got yeah. brought up and shit, so I didn't. But yeah, anyway, the guy that played um, 
Sorry. <laughs> this is going to be good. <laughs> Sopranos, the, the fucking... Uh, Wear the brown suits all the time. Silvio? Silvio. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's a wig, one? though, so we could put that wig yeah. on anybody. John Goodman? John Goodman. <laughs> Especially new new John Goodman, skinny John Goodman with that long, troopy face. Yep. <laughs> it looks like Just him. from these pictures. But... Yeah. So now we got to do the DEFCON scale. So the standard DEFCON scale is five to one, five being the lowest, one being the highest. On the Bad Guy podcast, there's no good guys. So five would be Lee Murray, who's your drug dealing, kidnapping, bank robber. And one would be the Purple Gang, who's got multiple gang wars, multiple massacres, and they're killing people on the streets. So on a scale of Lee Murray to the Purple Gang, where would you rate Joe Valachi? I think I got him at like a three. Who did he kill? He killed that guy in the yard, for sure. With the pipe. Yeah. In In the conservatory. There was four four that you mentioned, right? But you said some of them were ones that he may have just set up. I don't got him at a three. I got him at a four. Um, I, I mean, the good old boy, like, aw shucks. You know, unfortunately, my father never set me up for a good life kind of side of him. Wants me to put him at a five. But I think he's a 30-year um, soldier. I think I think that, that gets him a four. I would have said... He bashed a dude's know. head in with a fucking pipe, and he didn't even fucking know. At almost 60 years old. Yeah, and he did it quick, know. like... That automatically means you can't be a five, right? The second you, ma- the second you smash a head in yeah. with a pipe... You automatically slide up one, I think. That's what I'm rolling with. I don't know if I want to say three. Well, you don't have to. Yeah, you don't You can say to. whatever you want. Three. To I feel like three. Like, what do you say? Where you got mad at, Locke? I'm really enjoying that drink. <laughs> <laughs> this is really good. It's clinky and shit. I don't even care. I'll hate it when I'm editing it. Man, man. She was, she was describing good. it earlier. The I was like, there's no way that can't taste good. One, because like It's every all chocolate drink, liquor, though. She gave it to me, and I just threw it over there like, bah, whatever. You should have put just... some whipped cream in there. I almost did. <laughs> hey, simpatico. <laughs> Um, I, I will go with a four because, uh, he, we can't go for a three because we'll put too many respected gangsters at three and, uh, he's a low level guy. And on top of that, he's a snitch. Like, I mean, I don't know. I hate to say that, Ooh, being a stone cold gangster, it's not like cool or whatever, but you could at least have some level of respect for the commitment to at least what you do, mm-hmm. you know? And I feel like, so you're a bad guy cause you're a lifelong criminal and you're smashing people's heads in with a pipe, but you're kind of not even loyal to that. He spilled it out for him. He yeah, you know, you're, and you're the guy that ruined that. And after that, like, that opened up the floodgate. Mobsters started writing books left and right. Joe Bonanno wrote a book. He's, like, one of the original fucking bo- five bosses on the show. Mm. <laughs> he doesn't look like somebody who... I mean, I know that's fucking all perception and dumb stereotypes and shit, but he looks like somebody who's well-spoken. So at one point... Uh, one of the other senators, like, he was explaining how it was nationwide, and they had, like, a, you know, the National Commission. He was talking about, like, all the different cities, and he could identify some people from di- different cities. And at one point, like, a senator from Omaha, like, a, from Nebraska or whatever, who asked him if there's, like, mafia presence in Omaha. And he was talking to his lawyers and stuff, and they're all like, damn, you know, what the fuck is going on? And uh, it turned out he was just asking his lawyer what Omaha was. <laughs> is that is that a state company? <laughs> 
I've just been informed there is an Omaha. <laughs> and I, and I like to say hi to the people in Omaha. I regret to inform you that I know of no Omaha connections. <laughs> Hey, we got listeners in Omaha, and we love you guys. Just know, Joseph Villaggio didn't even know there's a place. Yeah, so. which makes this story even better to me. Like, it's just every fucking, like, this was an important story to hear if you like stories about mafia, in my opinion. And I consider myself an average to above average mafia fan um, when it comes to wanting to learn more about the, you know, I guess, side actors of the mafia scene and shit. And this is an important one, in my opinion, just because of the, just the groundbreaking, you know, groundwork that he laid for the feds and shit to know what the the mafia really was and stuff. So everything, you just keep on coming up with stuff that makes this story more interesting for me. And that was another one. I don't know if I said, uh, but we're going with the DEFCON 4. They're moving in. I say we go to DEFCON 4. All right, this is Say Hello to the Bad Guy. Thanks for coming, and thanks for listening. Yeah, say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming in last place. Smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Good guy coming last place. Smell the dope when I pass by. Down bad, my mama had to be dead. Spent my birthdays in the trap. We had to work with what we had. She been working on a raise while trying to raise me like a man. Plus my daddy in the box and all my cousins in the cam. And, and I don't need a hundred friends. I just want a hundred bands, a hundred jugs, a hundred scams. Hey, hey. So I don't money gram the hundred hams. So I don't money grabbed a bunch of And bands. I ain't wanna fall victim to that system or the pistols. Fuck a judge with a grudge. I'm blowing crud for my mental aid. And I still keep it on me. Run into your big homie. First you meet your dead homie. Ay. Yeah. Say hello to the bad guy. Bad guy. The good guy coming last place. You smell that dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace. Say hello to the bad guy. Smell the dope when I pass by. I let my money at a fast pace.